Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen. Thanks for joining me for episode three in this series at the beginning of 2020. This episode is all about commodity selling. It's as a result of a conversation I had with a client earlier this week um, where we discussed the challenges that he and his team will face over the next 12 months, the opportunities that they will also uh, face over the next 12 months as well. And the idea that when you're selling something that is considered a commodity, how easy it can be to get drawn into a discussion on price over anything else. So typically people know it's it's just the commodity and they will go straight to negotiating on cost, ignoring value uh, very quickly, which is to the detriment of the negotiation and certainly puts the salesperson on the back foot. And it reminded me of the growth in the coffee industry. Coffee is one of the top commodities maybe number two or three against gold and oil and it has enjoyed some serious success over this last um, 10 years more recently with the advent of the kind of hipster cafe Um, but the rise of coffee has been ongoing maybe for the last 50 years and it's like an industry that has come in three different waves the first wave was the introduction of the product, which would be Nescafe and Maxwell House coffee that would have been introduced into the UK and Ireland maybe in the late 50s, early 60s or 70s. I I obviously can't remember, or thankfully I can't remember. Um, But it was all about the product. And when it was first introduced, it was kind of very sophisticated and people had an alternative to tea. I don't think we can fully appreciate that back then there was a world where... Uh, coffee and breakfast were in transport cafes uh, or the greasy spoon with oil, oil cloth tablecloths and ketchup and a mug of tea and chips and that would have been it really and that's not that long ago um, so the advent of, of what we would consider coffee shops is, is relatively recent so the first wave was back then. The second wave was courtesy of the likes of Starbucks where it was less about the coffee and more about the experience. Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, had talked about this third place where you had work and you had home and you had the third place which was created by Starbucks, a place where you could relax and enjoy the uh, sort of a convivial ambience where you had nice music in the background, comfortable seats and so on and so forth. And the third wave of coffee is the hipster cafe where, and I'm thinking specifically about places in Belfast like like Established. Um, there are other places in Belfast who work very hard at creating that kind of experience, but I think Established are, they were the first to the market in, um, in Belfast. And they're able to charge maybe as much as 70 pence more per coffee than some of the other well-known, recognised high street names like Costa, Cafe Cafe Nero and Starbucks. And what they're selling there is the commodity, but they have repositioned the coffee as the star. It's less about the experience, although the experience established is is pretty cool. Uh, the 
environment is very conducive. The staff are trained to a really high level uh, in terms of their knowledge of coffee, their knowledge of the coffee making process, the knowledge of the coffee growing process, the, their ability to create any number of coffees for you very quickly um, for takeaway or for drinking in and charging you a little bit more for all of that. Or you could just consider coffee as a commodity, at which point, when would you ever be able to charge 50 or 60 pence more per cup of coffee if it was only a commodity? And the difference between selling a commodity successfully and not selling a commodity successfully is allowing the customer to convince you, the seller, that it's only a commodity that you're selling. In any commodity and um, sort of thinking about coffee or, or um, cement or gold or oil, I guess, um, all of the players are differentiated by something. And it's the job of the salesperson to be able to establish those differentiators and how relevant they are to the buyer. But if you go into the sale and just think it's a commodity, then you're kind of beaten from the, from the start of it. But if you are going to talk about our coffee is different because um, our concrete or our commodity is different because quality, let's say, then you have to fully understand the quality differences, um, what makes you remarkably different. So that means you need to know your competitors really well. And then you need to know what elements of that quality perspective uh, resonate with your customers. So that's all about knowledge. It's about knowledge-based selling. It's about educational marketing it's about communicating. It's about turning the story around to making to making the story interesting. Um, so it's about having belief belief in your in your product, belief in your production process, belief in the procurement process that adds to the production process. It's belief in your people that work with you and that are involved in the production process and the delivery process and the customer service process. So it moves away from. Uh, just a very simple commodity to something that can be quite sophisticated in terms of the sales process and the knowledge that's required and how you position that and your ability to communicate, which is never under question. Um, key in any sales seller-buyer relationship is the ability to be understood effectively. So how do you position that? Um, a lot of people that I work with still struggle to use um, visual aids in selling and I and when I'm saying visual aids I'm talking about keynote or PowerPoint um, their normal response is yeah but customers today don't really need PowerPoint they don't have time to sit down which is just totally untrue um, customers will make time for something they consider to be interesting or important um, and if you're intriguing them enough with the way you're presenting your story and you're able to persuade them that this five or ten minutes is worth spending then you have got to become proficient at communicating visually. And every presentation will have data and statistics that need to be remembered and positioned. And it's very, very difficult to talk about data and statistics and analytics face-to-face um, -face with somebody without giving them hard proof. And again, if you talk, I've mentioned before, but if you consider um, the way people consume their information, they consume it orally, visually, and kinesthetically and digitally, then you have to at least make sure you're catering for all of those audiences. So you have to 
remember that a message given orally will, will, will resonate, but a message given orally and supported by visual content will be improved by about 10, uh, 10 times. So if you've got 6% comprehension and resonance, then if you include other types of communication, you're going to bring that up significantly. Um, so then it all goes back down to your process for selling and, and are you selling in the right way and what kind of language are you using? So commodity selling is actually no different to any other type of selling, um, except for the fact that if you have it in your head that it's just a commodity, then, as I said before, I think you're in the back foot from the start. So you have to bring a different kind of energy and a different kind of um, simplicity yet complexity to your sales pitch. You have to bring in enough information that makes it look um, relatively sophisticated, but you have to communicate it in a very simple way. I kind of hope that makes sense. Um, I was very intrigued by some of the conversations that we that I had with the client where um, his team don't talk about it uh, as a commodity. We, we covered that off in training sessions over this last 18 months. Um, and the fact that they don't, they, are, they, they talk about it um, in, in a very confidently way. They talk about it in an authoritative way and they talk about it in an intelligent way and they talk about it in a way that they are able to communicate it and that has shown results for them over this last while. Um, maybe it's all about just not taking things for granted and always trying to look at things differently, look at the perspective of your customer, making sure that you keep them engaged with you, that they, they see beyond the product and that, they, that you are actually what they rely on, the service that you provide and your attention to detail and your timekeeping and punctuality and so on and so forth. I hope that makes sense. I had, I had blogged about that before, way back. Um, I might post a link to it. Um, but again, please feel free to get in touch and share your perspective. If it's something that you don't agree with, I'm happy to um, have, it, uh, have a lively or one-on-one uh, -on -one discussion and debate on it because it's um, it's not about being right. It's really about doing the right thing for, for your business. So um, if you need to reach me outside of here, the website again is shift-control.co.uk. Um, I'm on LinkedIn uh, and as I said before, I'm on Instagram, but that's not really where I conduct most of my business stuff. Or find me an email at paul at shift-control.co.uk. So yeah, thanks for um, staying this far. I hope that made some sense to you and we'll catch up with you again next week.